Hello, and welcome to Get Wrecked. I am your host, Stephen Falgu. And I am your other host, Louis Falgu. Welcome to Get Wrecked, our podcast where Stephen and I, two siblings, um, recommend some piece of media to each other, um, be it music, a, a video game, a movie. Hello. Or in this case, and even welcome a to get wrecked. Game. Why is it playing audio? Okay. Uh, and anyway, and then the next time we get together, we discuss those recommendations. Uh, so, hello, Stephen. Uh, they just heard your voice echo twice. Um, apologies to everybody for that. But how are you doing on this uh, fine Thursday evening? I'm sure everyone loved the buzzing that my speaker was creating as well, which is really nice. Yeah. Uh, Good intro so but- far. But that's what I wanted to bring up, Lewis. I've, that was actually not a speaker. That was my clone. I During the quarantine, I've gone ahead and as a precaution, as a precautionary measure, I've created a clone of myself. So just in case anything happens, my second Steven, uh, as he's currently known, can actually take over. Wow. So that was actually the artificial intelligence that I'm implanting into Second Stephen, learning the lines of our opening and reciting them. And unfortunately, everyone had to hear it. So I'm sorry. You know, the problem with that is, though, is that now uh, going forward, because I I would never tell anyone whether it was your clone, it was your AI artificial intelligence clone or or you. I would never tell anyone. So going forward, people are going to be speculating now. You know, is this the real Stephen? Is this the clone? And the funny thing is that they'll never know. So, But that's the kind of fun aspect that we want to introduce into the podcast you know we want everyone coming into every episode with a little bit of like what if mm-hmm. and that'll really ignite the wiki boards we're gonna have to you're gonna actually go back and find it, who knows if this was even the first episode where we introduced the clone it could even be in past episodes now you have to go back and we've peppered in little clues so good luck this could be the clone and the other steven could have been the one calling out in the distance you don't know that's the fun part. this this couldn't even be a podcast, maybe. Who knows what this is? In an alternate universe, this could, I mean. This could be our AI just creating the podcast for us. You know, one of these days, there they will be AI-created podcasts, so. Yeah, I know. Robots taking all of our jobs. What can you say? Yeah, such as our, our Get Wrecked jobs, which pay a lot. You would not believe. Yeah, we, we cannot stress that enough. A lot of that's just from the sponsorships that we tell you aren't sponsorships. But don't tell anyone I said that. Yeah, the reverse psychology there is great because we say a sponsor and we get money for it and then we say, but we're not sponsored by them. So no one understands. No one even suspects that it's truly a sponsorship the whole time. Wow. Riveting. Uh, Well, with that said, we're currently uh, not sponsored by uh, the thing that Steven recommended to me last time, if you would like to get into that, Steven. Yes, so last time, Lewis, I recommended Legendary, the board game, which is a new recommendation for us. We have not recommended board games before. Technically, I recommended to you it I recommended it to you in the digital medium. There is a mobile and Steam app version of the board game where basically they just kind of stripped out a lot of the Marvel licensing as the original board game is a Marvel licensed entity. There have also been some spin-offs with other pro- properties such as Buffy the Vampire Slayer, Big Trouble in Little China, which is kind of a weird one, and the Aliens and Predator series. But for the most part, the main board game is Marvel. So technically, Lewis, I recommended to you 
Legendary DXP, which again is the Steam and mobile app. Oh, yeah. And um, that is the way that I played it. Although it should be noted that um, I had played Legendary Marvel, I think it was, or whatever it's called, with Steven before. Um, it had just been so long, I didn't remember it. Um, but I think the goal is to talk about, uh, to use the app only as a method with which for me to have you know been able to play it here than it was to actually talk about the 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 video game version because it is it is trash um like it like aside from mechanically and everything it's just not something i recommend you going and downloading it's like a freemium thing uh it doesn't look very good it doesn't play very nice it's it, it is it works and that's about it um so yeah to quickly to quickly talk on it um the app itself is quite good when you want to play with others it is a very it is a free and easy way to get a whole bunch of people together uh, virtually to play a game of legendary although i would say if you want the true experience it's probably even better to just get it on something like tabletop simulator however i have recently with everything going on use it as a way to play legendary because then the energy as you mentioned those sorts of things don't actually matter they don't come into play but other than that yeah i agree the app itself is not very good but what i wanted to specifically talk about is as you mentioned the game itself uh and specifically the board game uh, i'll give a quick setup lewis and then if you want to kind of talk about your thoughts on it but essentially the way that the game works is it's a co-op board game, and it was kind of one of the first-ish of its kind. I really think, like, Pandemic and some of the other ones maybe made a bigger splash. That really accelerated that genre of board game. But essentially, Legendary is a deck-building style board game where every turn you are, are working together to, one, build up a deck of cards that progressively gets better as you're playing, and two, fight villains that come out of a kind of villain deck every turn as you're working towards defeating a large mastermind. And it boils down to essentially you have recruit points, which allow you to get new cards and attack points, which allow you to fight villains and masterminds. Once everyone as a collective team, and I think it technically plays one to five players, although really I feel like the board game is at its best at two or three players. Once you as a collective team fight the mastermind four times, then you win. If you run out of villain cards or run out of hero cards to recruit, the game kind of ends in a draw. And if essentially a randomized scheme gets completed, so the actual goal that the villain is trying to complete is randomized each time, then you all lose. So there's a lot of random elements and a lot of mixing and matching that you can do between what heroes are available to play with, what villains are available to fight, and what mastermind and scheme combination you're trying to overcome. So it, there's a lot of complexity there and a lot of interesting balance between difficulty and unique concepts and mechanics um, that can all kind of get interspersed and intermingled as you're trying to like create the board game version that you want to play. Yeah, and it's... Whenever I, whatever tabletop I do ever play, I don't really play board games with people or whatever, but like car games or whatever it is. Um, I think a lot of these games kind of come down to like a mixture of chance 
and skill at the same time. Um, and I tend to like that more than I guess either of the two being the entire element, which is kind of what this game is because, um, uh, the skill comes down to like you thoughtfully spending your tokens and attack points every round because if you do um, whatever you use is gone and um, per turn like you might not have enough to do something and you might be too stupid and try anyway um, and then also like trying to think about what what hero cards to build up each round um, so that you will have the best deck and as soon as time as possible or as little time as possible i guess because if you wait too long to get a really good deck you might be screwed um with the scheme twists which is kind of the thing you're fighting in, in terms of like time and how many turns you have that's basically what you're fighting against is um you're trying to be quick enough because you know that that scheme could be completed um i mean technically it could even be completed in like seven hands or um however many schemes it takes sometimes it takes more or less but like it would almost never happen, but it technically could. So it's that's sort of the idea. Is you're like, you you want to. Um, I think when where the skill comes into in this game is trying to figure out what heroes to recruit early versus a little bit later. Like because heroes that have more attack points uh, tend to cost more. You kind of can't get them early on, but you also need them pretty quickly um, because you know the villain takes like a, a multiple attacks to actually be defeated, um, and that's on top of the. Um, vi uh, the or that's the mastermind. Sorry, but that's on top of the villains that you have to fight, who kind of get in the way as well. So I like that. Like it, I like that it comes down to a mixture of like you have to. It, it, there is some chance, definitely, in terms of like where the scheme twists are in the villains deck and things like that that you you really can't know. Um, but then there's the skill in terms of like okay, well then, given that you don't know that, how do you want to stack your deck um, as fast as possible? And really, the whole idea of like using each turn to stack a later deck is pretty fun like that might not make sense if you haven't played it but because when you buy a hero it just goes into the deck later and it might come out in a hand later but you don't really know when um the goal is just like okay well if i get as many good heroes as possible then there's way a much better chance that i'll get a really good hand later that i can win with um and it's also, like, I don't know if this is just the way the app is set up, because the app is actually, like, hard as fuck. Uh, like, I have lost way more than I have won on that. And that could just be because I suck. But um, but it seems like like scheme twists and stuff happen pretty fast in that. And, get, and like, getting good hero cards in that is tricky. Um, it's, like, it's pretty... It, it's, it, can, it can be pretty hard. Um, and I think, like, it, it is also pretty rewarding, though. Like... I don't know. It's just like the mechanics of this game are really cool because I like that you have to um, you have to make considerations like based on what you don't know. Um, but then there's also a lot of things, a lot of options to take as to like what villains to fight because they give you certain things upon defeating them. And so you can be strategic about that, too. It's just there's so much to think about, like every hand in this game. I think that's what makes it really like interesting to play. Yeah, and I have played a lot of this game i mean it is probably up there for a game that i've played the most because one i would say and this is one of the problems that i have with the physical version of the board game but the setup of this game takes forever and the teardown of this game takes forever and that is one thing where the digital version is very nice because you don't have to think about that stuff. And because of that, typically when I play this game or take this game out to the table, I'm playing it not just one time, but potentially two or three times 
just to kind of make that feel worth it. This, the one thing I'll mention that the physical board game has as an advantage, and I think as a disadvantage, is that there are an insane amount of expansions to this thing now. I think it came out in like 2012 or 2013, and there have been at least one or two expansions for it every year, if not more, honestly. Some of them are big box expansions, which I think they've technically done away with, that would introduce like hundreds of cards. And then some of them are kind of smaller box expansions that would introduce maybe 25 to 50 cards. And each of those expansions, one not only included more schemes and villains and heroes, and they were usually all um, thematic. So for instance, one of the big box expansions is World War Hulk, and it's all about that storyline. And there are a lot of really cool keywords that they introduce which essentially are um different rules that cards have because a lot of this game boils down to lewis as you mentioned kind of the synergy of your deck like as you're picking new heroes you want to make sure that you're creating combos within your deck that are powerful and that is where i feel like there is also a detriment to the amount of expansions that this game has there is a ton of bloat now in the physical version of this game and even getting into the digital version of this game with all of the rules you have to remember because of all the keywords with just the insane amount of content to where it has gotten to a point now where i feel like i have so much legendary that there is it would be impossible in my lifetime to play all of it and not just every combination just all of it period just to try all of it so that is one issue that i you know i don't think they can really solve that necessarily at this point it's just kind of like they've expanded and with that expansion always comes power creep too which i think has gotten kind of like if you take just the base set of legendary which is really where the app is kind of sitting at and compare it to some of the later expansions a lot of those later expansion cards are just innately better than the base the cards in the base box, not only from a power standpoint, but also once they started introducing expansions, they started introducing unique cards with each different card type. So in the base game, all of the Hulk um, art on the cards looks exactly the same. In the expansions, each of the Hulk cards has different art. So it's gotten to a point now where it's like, I don't even know if you can really play the base game anymore because you would just be at such a loss, especially if you're trying to fight one of the later masterminds or the harder schemes. But with that, they have had the opportunity to actually introduce a lot of really cool mechanics. Like, for instance, Lewis, you mentioned every turn when you recruit, that's something that will happen later, because basically when you recruit a new card, you put it in your discard, and not until you have to shuffle your discard deck to make a new deck of cards where you actually see that get that benefit but in some of the later expansions there are heroes that when you recruit them you have the option to put them directly on top of your deck so you'll immediately get to use that new card that you just got and there are a lot of really cool synergies like that i mentioned the the world war hulk big box expansion one thing that that introduced which is really cool is the idea of a transforming card so after a certain criteria gets met the card flips over on the opposite side and it has like a stronger version. So for instance, one of the heroes is Bruce Banner 
And after you meet a certain set of conditions, Bruce Banner flips over and now he's the Hulk for the rest of the game. And it's like even better. But there are also masterminds that can do the same thing. So you could be fighting Modok, who on one side requires fight to fight him just like traditional. But then once a set of conditions gets met, he flips over and now you can only fight him with stars. And there's a lot of really cool things like that. And they continue to add new ways to look at the game, even though this core set of mechanics has been around since now eight years. They're still finding ways to kind of expand that very minimalist mechanic set. Yeah, so obviously um, Steven knows a lot more about this than I do because he's uh, engaged with this a lot more than I have. But I think like what what interests me about this is that from just playing the app lately, which I wasn't able to get super far in the campaign of because I, I just, I, I don't know if I suck or, or what, but um, but like it, it seems like it's the kind of thing that initially, assuming that the base game of this physically didn't have, like had a similar amount of stuff to the app, um, which I don't know if that's true or not, but um, assuming that's the case, it seems like the kind of thing that like definitely needed some expansion. Um, but I mean, like at the same time, you know, you can only go so far with that, I guess. And it sounds like it's gotten out of hand. Um, but it is also something where, like, at least probably to a certain point, it does seem like it would be, like, the more the merrier when it comes to different types of heroes and things you can do. Because I was seeing repeat after repeat after repeat while playing this. Um, and again, I don't know if that was a, 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 if that had something to do with just me not getting super far in it. Um, or if, if there just isn't that much. Um, I don't know. But, like... That is probably where the playing the app got tiring for me. Whereas, like, if I ha- if I was playing it physically and had like you know two or three expansions, or maybe even just one big expansion or whatever, uh, that wouldn't be as much of a problem. Um, and and for that reason, there's a lot that I kind of can't judge with this. Um, you know, so I, I guess I leave that to Stephen, but he talked about that already. Um, but yeah, no, I yeah, mean, he, oh yeah, go ahead. Sorry, I was just gonna say the last thing I wanted to mention on that front that the app. I think the app actually just recently introduced, but a lot of that is behind a paywall, which makes sense because it is that, as you mentioned, it's kind of that freemium service, but a lot of the expansion content is actually behind paywall. Um, one of the things that they, they introduced not only new heroes and new villains, they've also actually mixed up a lot of the pre-existing standard cards as well. So, in the game, essentially, you have that pool of heroes that you can always draft from. And there's also basically the static pool of cards that you can choose to opt into um, that aren't the heroes. They're just kind of like a generic, this is a card that gives you two stars. In the base game, it's a stack of Maria Hill cards. They've taken all of those kind of generic default parameters and even added interesting twists into those. So, for instance, one of the components of the game is a deck of bystanders, which basically just give points to whoever can save them. But that was it. Even within the first expansion, they introduced a, they introduced an added level to where some of the bystanders like special bystanders that give you an immediate benefit when you rescue them. So now you have now you're incentivized a little more to actually try to save those bystanders. And the other thing that they introduced, which is really smart is a stack of cards that are kind of like one-time use, really, really cheap cards. Because one, uh, I have a couple gripes with the game, and I'll talk about them in a second here, after I let you kind of speak a little bit more, Lewis. But one of the 
gripes that I have, and you probably felt it in the app, was that the base game, you could get stuck with like a very minimal amount of stars to where you were kind of stuck. You couldn't buy anything in the hero pool. You couldn't buy the generic card that I kind of mentioned. So what are so you have stars that you can't do anything with. Well, they added these kind of one-time use stack of super cheap cards that you can always kind of afford and they kind of help accelerate your deck a little bit. Yeah, that was probably the biggest problem is that like uh, in the in the version of the game that I played, which I have to keep specifying, um, just so that everybody understands, I, I played a you know a small free to play app version lately. But um, it, it the ch- um, when I talk about like the kind of balance between chance and skill, I felt like chance played a much bigger role in what I was playing than skill did because I had such minimal resources so much of the time, and like it came down to like e- even even in the chance that I got a lot of cheaper cards, they all kind of sucked. And they didn't ultimately help me that much to get the more expensive cards. Um, Like, there would be some cards that would cost, say, like, eight. You know, like, eight stars. Or there was one card where if you had eight tokens or eight stars, um, then it would it would give you attack points when you used it. Like, if you were able to get that many tokens in that round, you'd get attack points. But you could almost never get that many tokens in that round. Like, you had to be really lucky. Um, Which seemed kind of ridiculous. Like, most hands, I would get, like, you know, five tokens, even if I had cards that gave me more tokens, like if I had bought them. Um, And so, from the minimal resources, the minimal heroes and such that were in that version, that was always the problem that I had. Um, it was never, I mean, like, yeah, obviously I was limited on attack points, but that was always because of, like, the token output I was getting, which was just kind of ridiculous, especially considering that in the app it's set up in, like, a campaign, and in, like, the first two or three levels even, it was, like, this was already a massive issue to the point where, like, even these really early stages in the app version were, like, really hard, um, just because it was so hard to get tokens, So, Lewis, with that, I don't know, do you have, you know, I guess you have kind of a different perspective on it, because obviously you haven't played the board game version as much as I have, but just with the general mechanics, is there any, do you have any, like, you know, you mentioned kind of the token element, but do you have any other gripes with the systems or anything that you noticed? Um, not necessarily. I guess it's just like... Um scheme twists tended to be a little a little absurd like I, I understand the point that like you know you're trying to a lot of it is you're trying to fight time and you're trying to fight the random chance of getting seven or eight scheme twists to end the game um or whatever but uh, at least in the app the abilities that the scheme twists gave the mastermind were especially ridiculous ju- again just because of the token output thing because it was like already hard enough to get enough attack points to fight them once um yeah in the beginning of the game and even later on in the game and it in it or in, in one game and like when you add the scheme twists on top of it that tended to make either things more powerful or it would tend to get rid of certain stuff in your deck or whatever else it would do it just got really insane it kind of got to the point where if you were on like the seventh like okay um in the first stage of the app there were like eight schemes if, if if it got to eight then you lost if you were on like the seventh scheme you were generally just screwed like by that point everything was stacked against you and it was just like oh well i'm just gonna lose and then you just basically waited it out until the eighth one showed up um and so maybe that seemed kind of excessive but again i think that's 
still more of a problem with the token output I was getting than it has anything to do with the idea of scheme twists at all. Because I guess the point is that they assume, well, once you're on like your sixth or seventh scheme, you probably have a much better hand, you know. But you can't really have a much better hand if you're not getting anything. Yeah, so I'll, I'll talk about some of the gripes that I have. Um, and I'm going to relate it to... The deck building genre is not necessarily one that has a lack of games anymore. But when Legendary came out, it wasn't as huge. Dominion still dominated the market, and that was kind of the first board game that really introduced this concept of like not necessarily having a pre-built deck like you might have in a trading card game like Magic or something like that, but throughout the course of the game actually building a deck of cards. What I will say is, one, I feel like that genre has evolved a lot since Legendary has introduced, so they've tried to keep up with some of those things with all the expansions of Legendary, but at its core, Legendary is still a very minimalist mechanic. Now, I think that's a good thing because I think the barrier to entry for Legendary is much lower than a lot of other deck builders. But I will relate Legendary to games that I've been playing a lot recently, such as Slay the Spire and One Step from Eden, which are both deck-building video games. One thing that I think is a problem with Legendary is that the pool that you have to choose from when you're building your deck can feel incredibly static, especially because of a problem that you just mentioned, Lewis, which is that sometimes you can get yourself trapped into this spot where you don't have enough recruit points to generate the recruit needed to be able to get cards that are available to you. And in that case, the cards that are available to you aren't moving. They're not shifting at all. One way that that happens is basically if a villain escapes, then you have to get rid of a card from the HQ and cycle it with a new one. But that's a bad thing. You don't necessarily want that to happen because an escape can be a detriment to you and could actually accelerate your losing condition. The other way would be to just buy a whole bunch of junky cards and fill up your deck with cards that don't complement your combo or your synergy, and now you kind of have a bad deck because you're trying to dig to the cards that you need. I've been playing a lot of, as I mentioned, Slay the Spire and One Step from Eden, and where those games do a really good job is basically every time you have the option to add something to a deck. One, that option is completely randomized. So the cards that are in front of you are always changing. And two, you always have the option to skip and keep moving on. With Legendary, you have no way to clear the board that you have available to you. You could get into a situation, and this has happened to me a lot of times, where literally the first hand of cards that you have to choose from are all the super high, like six cost, eight cost, seven cost cards, and you're just stuck. Like there's nothing you can do. And that can be a problem. The other thing I'll mention, and I mentioned this before, is kind of the bloat. There is just so much in Legendary now that pretty much anytime we bring it to the table, I have to bring out like four different rule books to remember all the keywords. And the power creep, as I mentioned, there is a lot of instances where you have to have a very specific set 
of characters to choose from to be able to fight a mastermind because some of the harder masterminds are absolutely insane and you have to be very strategic about which cards you bring to the table whereas the app specifically it randomizes the heroes that you have to choose from i still play like that sometimes but when we're fighting the really really hard stuff you can't randomize which is kind of how the game was built so that feels a little bad the last thing i'll mention and this is something that i've just been using most recently is lewis you mentioned that you can sometimes get into a situation where because the random draw of the deck you can just get hit with scheme twists super early on and just feel like you're out of luck. Now, some of this, not all of the schemes are like on a timer like that, which are, again, the schemes are kind of your losing condition. But a lot of them are. And if you get unlucky, you could just lose without even really being able to do anything. And that feels very bad. So something I've actually taken from Pandemic, which is another co-op game, is I now kind of stack the deck. Essentially, I'll put... I'll, um, to deal out the deck in the physical game, I'll put a scheme twist into separate piles, shuffle all of those piles individually, and stack them on top of each other. So the chance that you get a scheme twist, like a whole bunch of scheme twists in a row, is much lower. You're more likely to get scheme twists evenly spread throughout that villain deck, which helps a lot. And I've even started to do that with the hero deck too. So that way you don't just have like, a board of all of the same card and you can't do anything you that way you at least have kind of a mix of all of the different types of cards which i found helps a lot yeah well i mean if um i think with that i'm ready to to wrap it up if you are yeah yeah okay um so for me to like score this or even like give a firm recommendation one way or the other on this is difficult because again just of the the nature of how i was able to play it and also given the difference between the way steven and i know the game you know right now makes it kind of hard um but uh, so i I don't think i'll do that i mean recommending it sure yeah i mean i think uh i remember playing the board game with steven and um or board game mixed card game i guess i don't know what you would call it the tabletop version um and it was a ton of fun i remember i remember being a lot of fun so i i you know i'll say i recommend it sure yeah um if you're into tabletop or even not you know because i'm not necessarily it was fun but um but god like in terms of scoring it, i'm not going to do that i'll just say that like um i think the baseline mechanics here are mostly really good um i think the balance between chance and skill is a little too lopsided in favor of chance if you just play it the way that it's meant to be played or like play it on the app um and it can be a little stupid because you have a lot of games where you're just kind of screwed and that's not totally fun um but still i think mechanically it's it's pretty solid i just wish there was um a little bit more that you could do to stop certain chance events from like screwing your game. And it kind of seems like you can't. So that's what I'll pretty much leave it at. Um, yeah. Although I have my gripes with this game, I have played it a ridiculous amount. It is absolutely hands down. One of my favorite tabletop games and possibly one of my favorite just games period Recommending it, I think, is kind of hard, though, because, as I mentioned, there is so much content. First of all, I would say, if you're going to get into Legendary, I don't think the base game is enough anymore. My recommendation would be, you get the base game, and you get either the Dark City big box expansion, or 
maybe like the Civil War big box expansion. Having both of those, I think, allows you to have a lot of options for difficulty. It introduces a lot of the cool additional mechanics and allows you to kind of play around with some of that, those keywords and other um, items. Or alternatively, if you're looking to get into it on digital, I would say, although I did recommend Lewis the free version, there is a mod for Tabletop Simulator that is a very good version to start with, although Tabletop Simulator can be sort of clunky at times. Um, and that has literally everything, all content, even content that I don't own, because it's hard to keep up, honestly, with all of the legendary content. With all that being said, I mean, I think I would, as I mentioned, I do have some gripes with this game, so I'd probably give it a 9 and not necessarily a perfect 10. I do think that there are a lot of things that the game has working against it, but for the most part, every time I bring, out to the, bring it out to the table, it is a ton of fun, and it really is a different experience each time, which I think makes it even better and even more replayable. Okay, great. So with that, do we move on to what I recommended to you, Steve? Yes. Okay, so last episode, I recommended to Steven the game Bloons TD6. This is the sixth in the Bloons Tower Defense franchise, which started off as, like, uh, Flash games, like, back from, like, the two... I, want, I don't know what year. I want to say I want to say 2007 or something is when the first one came out, but I don't really know. Um, it could be even before that. I'm not sure. Um and, uh, yeah, this is the sixth installment. It, it is on Steam. It's, like, a really, really fully-fledged game, probably more so than any of the last ones have been, save for maybe, like, five, which was pretty rich with content and stuff. Um, and this is essentially that, but, like, more graphically appealing, and it looks more like a full-on game that would have been developed by, like, an actual full studio and everything. Um, and uh, so, yeah, um, I guess I'll just let you start. Yeah, so I played, gosh, I played so much Bloons and Bloons Tower Defense in my lifetime. And even all the way back to the Flash versions, especially Bloons. Uh, but I have not checked in in a while. I think probably the last Bloons I would have played was like TD3, maybe, if that. That was all uh, the rage. You probably did, yes. Yeah, it was probably TD3 would have been the last one I played. So coming into this, it was like right off the bat, the production quality is like astronomically off the charts comparatively. Um, one thing I will say is it definitely is feels like a mobile game for sure. There are a lot of def mobile game elements. I noticed that right off the bat. Loot crates and the kind of uh, microtransactions sort of thing. But they were never in my face, which was good. I played the Steam version, not the mobile version. And I never felt like, obviously they were pushing some of the cosmetics and um, those sorts of things and like boosting and all that sort of stuff. But it was never like so much a part of the game that I felt like it was taking away from the game. The game itself is still to this day, just incredible. Like, I mean, it is a pure tower defense and boiled down to such a simple degree, but that's not a bad thing. I know that there are a lot of tower defenses out there, and I feel like some of them get 
so bogged down in additional mechanics that it's not even necessarily fun. And the other thing I would mention is I feel like Bloons TD has always done a really great job at ramping. I feel like a lot of times my problem with tower defenses is they get way too hard, way too early, and then I just lose all interest. Bloons TD, what's always been so great about it is they've, they introduce new uh, mechanics on the player side and on the enemy side in a very gradual pace to where you always feel like it's just a tiny bit harder than what your own skill set is, but not so hard that it feels impossible to beat or that you're going to have to like grind to really understand what's going on. I will say that playing Bloons Tower Defense now, today, is interesting because I'm basically coming off of Kingdom Rush, Kingdom Rush Frontiers, and that whole series, which is another absolutely phenomenal series of tower defense games. But there's something so nice about the the simplicity of Bloons TD versus something like even a Kingdom Rush that like going back to it, it felt like kind of like an old glove. It just fit so nicely. It was like, okay, I'm going to put my monkeys here. I know how to do all of this. Some I need to have some camo and some non-camo. I would say the upgrade system of Bloons TD is super fun to play around with and picking different groups that upgrade in different skills trees, which isn't necessarily something that's uh, not present elsewhere in the genre, but I just feel like Bloons TD has such a fun way of showcasing that where you get like stealth bombers and giant, and then like a giant blimp comes in. You have to deal with that with like a helicopter and you have all these other additional mechanics. And then you have things like, freezing balloons can't necessarily be popped by certain types of dart so you need to counter counteract that on your own side and those sorts of things which are really fun yeah i mean i think like just mechanically the game is like pretty much perfect like the whole idea behind this i think behind like beating a a full game of this especially on like harder difficulties is that you need to be making a lot of considerations about how you're going to what kinds of towers and what kinds of upgrades you're going to get. And you need to make a lot of those early on so that you never get overwhelmed. Um, And so the game, one of the most fun things about the game is that it ends up feeling very customizable. Like you can end up coming up with your own strategies that can work for like certain kinds of, of tracks. And we didn't mention that, but that's another element is like the tracks that you play on. There's tons of them and they range in difficulty. Like early on you get tracks where there's one entryway, one exit way for the balloons to come through. And there's a lot of track and a lot of places for you to place towers and farms which give you more money which you basically need to do on higher difficulties but then like later tracks where um, especially in like the hardest hardest tracks there might be like two entryways two exits and almost nowhere that you can actually place any towers like there's one track i think called inferno which is just fucking stupid with that where it gives you like three places to put stuff or like like uh, for each entry and exit it's really dumb but that's kind of the thing is like so it's you have to make those considerations based on the track you're playing, but then um, what kinds of strategies work for certain tracks. And a lot of what it comes down to is just figuring out um, what kinds of upgrades work best together, like what uh, tiers of upgraded towers work best with tiers of other upgraded towers. And that's why I say it becomes super customizable. And that's also what ends up making the game really satisfying, especially going into later game. Like one, if you're pl- if you play like free play mode, for example, and you get past like round hundred, and you just keep going, um, 
by that point, you're going to be making a lot of money probably because you've probably been farming a ton. And now is where the game gets really fun for a short period of time anyway in free play because now you can start getting like your tier five towers and stuff, which are the the, the biggest upgrades you can get for any um, tower path. And these are just so much fun to mess with because they tend to like just ravish um, the, the balloons in like really fun and satisfying ways. Um, and then that's on top of this game's hero system, which I guess... It was the newest thing to six that was never in any other games, which are tap. It's a technically a tower, um, but you get this cast of heroes that you can buy with the monkey money you get from beating stages or microtransactions. If you really want to go that route. Um, and, when you place them, you can only place one of them per game, and they upgrade themselves over the course of the game. Uh, and that's sort of the main new mechanic with six. But even that ends up being like something that you can uh, find combos with other types of towers and stuff, depending on um, how you want to use it. Yeah, and I do really like the hero mechanic. I thought that was a good addition. It feels like an interesting way to kind of preset the combo as well, because depending on the hero that you choose, they come with their own set of unique abilities. So you have to consider those as well as you're thinking about what towers to place and where to place. The one thing I will mention about Bloons TD, and I um, going back into it, I, I kind of remembered this versus something like a Kingdom Rush, is I feel like there's there are, uh, and this is a gigantic generalization, but there are kind of two paths of tower defense, I feel like. There's the Bloons path, which is kind of this free placement of towers, which can lead to its own set of strategy and thought process that you need to take as you're placing your towers. And then there's kind of the Kingdom Rush path, which is like you have very specific places where you can place towers. And I don't know if I necessarily prefer one or the other. Having the structure can be kind of nice, but also having the freedom of something like a Bloons TD can also be very interesting, especially because you can like front load the hell out of the entrance to where like you can't even necessarily click on the towers because they're so far up. Um, and those sorts of things can be sort of interesting to play around with. Yeah, and also, that, and that's, again, another consideration you have to make, too, because you can play stuff anywhere. You have to think, like, okay, so do I want to front-load a track so that, like, no balloons can possibly pass, like, one giant cluster of towers, which is usually how I do it. Um, but then other people will want to do it where it's like, okay, well, I want to get some, like, backup in the back so that if anything passes through, um, I'll have, like, towers in the back that'll help with that and towers in the front. And also, you can tell that the creators uh, knew that that was a consideration you have to make because certain kinds of towers are much more obviously suited towards certain things. Like, for example, there's the Spike Factory, which is pretty much designed as an exit path tower where you can put it down at the end and it'll build up a row of spikes um, over the course of a round, which means that if the balloons get over there, they'll get popped, any ones that end up leaking through. Um, which means, like, you know, any, any, but even then, you can place that in the front if, you're, if you really want to. It's just probably not a good idea. Um, but, yeah, I think that is, like, really cool because it's, an, it's, it's one of the reasons why I do like this game a lot is that uh, I haven't played a lot of tower defenses. The only other tower defenses I've ever, like, touched are, like, bad Flash games. And those all pretty much suck, which is kind of amazing. This came from that exact same category of games and was pretty much good from the beginning. Um, although if you go back and play like the first game of this now, it just doesn't hold up at all. It's just a kind of interesting to see it. But like, um, I feel like this game is incredibly fair and it can also be super hard. Um, I've developed strategies and learned about strategies and figured stuff out to where 
generally this game, especially like the easier maps, is is a breeze for me. Like it's just no trouble because I have strategies that work. I have, I have a hero who I stick with who's really good. Um, but like when I first got into this, it did feel like the gateway to entry was pretty tough. If you went straight to playing like even normal difficulty, there were certain rounds where you could get screwed and you might be like, how would you even deal with this? But I still think that this game is very fair to the point where I don't think you ever feel like it's like unfairly beating you. Um, I think it's one of those games where if you lose, you generally feel like it's your fault. Um, and that's because the game just gives you so many good options. There are very few options in this game, like upgrade paths or towers, that just suck. Um, very few. Which is so good because like there's so much you can pick from and if you come into the game and you don't know what you're doing, you can at least be confident that like the selection you have is mostly going to suit you well. You're not going to like just not know what to do. Yeah, although I will say one thing that I um, would mention about the game, kind of on the flip side of that though, is as a new player coming in, the amount of tools that they give you as quickly as they give you those tools is definitely overwhelming because you do unlock new towers at like an incredible pace. In fact, I was surprised by how fast I was unlocking new towers consider considering this is a free-to-play game and how many levels there are that it definitely got out of hand at a point to where I was like, I don't even know what half of these things do, so I'm just going to put them down and and like figure it out basically um so I, that is just one thing that i will mention that i noticed well it's true that they give you a lot i'm just saying like it, it you're not going to start out and like end up picking towers that are just going to suck because they just suck is what i'm trying to say like you do have a lot of options but no matter what you end up trying and messing with you're going to find ways to work with them like it's not like the game is super unbalanced whereas the, the fifth game in the series there was like they had they had this this tower called the balloon chipper and it was the stupidest thing in the world because as soon as you figured out that the balloon chipper could like shred moabs um it became like which are the blimps they're like these really powerful things that you're supposed to get ready for or whatever as soon as you realize you could get that upgrade path for that tower the game was just unbalanced as hell it was just so broken there was a strategy where you would take balloon chippers and you would surround them around tax shooters that were ring of fires and what it would do is all the balloon chippers would like suck in moabs Moabs, spit them out the other side, the Moab would then get attacked by the tax shooter, and it would get sucked into another balloon chipper, which would spit it out, it would just keep happening. Um, and it was really dumb, because if you didn't know that strategy, the game was, like, pretty hard, but it was just dumb knowing that there was, like, one tower that was just so obviously superior to the other ones, and it was such a massive oversight. And I guess that's why I'm saying this for 6, because I think 6 doesn't have that issue. Like, they do end up doing buffs, and, um, and uh, nerfs, you know, per update, because it always has to happen. And there definitely are some towers that are probably better than they cost, um, even to this day. But, I mean, as a general rule, I just think the game is super balanced. Yeah, which is not easy, uh, just knowing how many things there are in the game. Yes. Yeah, I think, uh, I mean, just thinking about Bloons tower defense and the spectrum of tower defenses which is you know there are so many games that are basic that started essentially as starcraft or warcraft um mods and tower defense was one of those and to see how that genre has progressed has just been interesting and then bloons td i feel like has been there the, basically the entire way there were tower defenses that came before it that were not that were not just pure mods that were actually their own entity, but 
Bloons TD and all the way out as we talk about Bloons TD6 has absolutely stood the test of time. It is really the tower defense genre boiled down to such a precise and meticulous degree that it's hard to even think about what how many tower defenses that I I feel like can compete. And I'll specifically say in the 2D space. Some of the th- ones that come to mind are like Plants vs. Zombies is like an even more simplistic version, I feel like, of a tower defense and does an absolutely phenomenal job. And things like Kingdom Rush as well. But generally, this is kind of the top brass when it comes to tower defenses. And it's kind of crazy to say because, as I mentioned, like the mechanics of Bloons TD is they are incredibly incredibly simple now there are some things that you have to balance and obviously as i mentioned there are a lot of tools in your toolbox but as far as like what you have to do is just like you have to put down your towers and you're trying to stop the balloons and you can upgrade your towers and like that's the whole game yeah and 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 that's kind of what makes this impressive the more i think about this because i've been playing this game a shit ton lately i think i already have like well over 100 hours on steam and i didn't even get it that long ago um but it's like well, the more I think about it, like, why is that, why is it so much fun to play? Is it really does just seem like this is like an, inc- like, I guess over the course of six games, they've had a lot of time to think about these kinds of things, especially considering mistakes they've made in past games with this, that it seems like a game that's like so meticulous, despite the fact that the, um, being able to understand what you have to do and how to do it is simple as hell. And when you first get into the game, you get it immediately. Like you don't, there's no, like, a, there's not a ton of tutorializing. You just get it. It makes sense. There's a lot you have to figure out. Like you have to learn all the towers and that can take a while. But in terms of just knowing what you have to do and how to do it, very simple. Um, and yet it feels like it's such a richly complex experience. Like once you get past that, like there's so much you can mess around with and so many different ways to win or lose where it's like, despite being really simple on the surface, it's kind of like an iceberg of a thing, you know, like very simple on the surface, but like beneath that, there's like so much depth that you can mess around with in this game that like it's fostered even like a community that's constantly trying new things and making like challenges with this game's challenge editor um, to find like, okay, so with these limitations, like what kind of towers can do this? Like, you know, can you beat round a hundred with like a thout with a, you know, uh, $10,000 or stuff like that. There's all this stuff that you can like think about and figure out how the game works uh, that just makes it really easy to come back to and keep playing. Um, and that's why I think this is um, really special, actually. Like, even compared to the earlier ones, like this one just feels really robust as a full game. And um, that's the last thing I was going to say. So I don't know if you want to wrap it up past that. Yeah, so I think it comes as no surprise. I, I definitely recommend this. One, because the asking price is incredibly low, seeing as it's a free-to-play game. And as I mentioned, the well, kind it does of more cost free- money. It, do, it does cost money. I don't know if... um, it, It's like $10 on Steam and 5 on on iPhone, I think. I just want to point that out so nobody gets like too excited. Oh, maybe I did pay for it. I don't remember. It was so <laughs> long ago. But um, what I will say is... Even with that being said, it would probably come as no surprise that I definitely recommend this game. Super fun, incredibly classic. It's, as Lewis mentioned, and as I kind of mentioned, it's very straightforward, but incredibly engaging. It's one of those, like, you know, easy to learn, lifetime to master sort of a things, and it's incredibly replayable, easy to just pick up and play. That's why I think actually, like, an iPhone version of this is a perfect way to play it because. You can play a level here or there or try a new challenge. And that's really what this game, I think, is where it shines its 
brightest is just kind of that pick up and play replayable aspect. So that being said, I give this, you know, I'd probably give it a, a nine as well. So this is a very high episode for me, I guess, between the two. Um, but yeah, it's just, it really is a super fun, super engaging game. Yeah. So, um, I would also give it a nine. Uh, the one, because I think the game is fantastic. I think it's just excellent. Like I've been playing so much. I think it's super robust. And yeah, like you said, easy to learn, hard to master, which is always the best kind of thing for an arcade style game. Otherwise, you know, if it's an easy, it's, if it's so simple that it's just easy to start playing and you never feel like you're learning anything or getting better, then it's boring. You're going to toss it aside so fast. And this game's really not like that. Um, so, so yeah, I think it's great. And I definitely recommend it. Uh, the one biggest flaw i can think of aside from it having microtransactions which is mildly annoying but you're never gonna feel like you need to buy them like this is not the kind of game where it's gonna be like you're gonna feel like you can't do anything if you don't buy microtransactions it's not like that at all but i still kind of annoying that they're there considering that i grind this game a lot to get a lot of money and to do things and like it's fun to do that but to know that there's the option to just go buy it is kind of annoying um especially since the game isn't free so there's that and then there's also um I think the co-op mode in this game, which is not very fun. I've played it a lot because I have friends who play the game and we like to play and we like to, you know, figure out strategies or whatever and, um, and do whatever else or like mess around with stuff. But like, but just the mode itself is really bare bones. I know that Steven didn't have, probably didn't have a chance to play it, but it's just like, basically it's like playing the game solo, but every player gets like half the money or a third of the money or at worst in a four player co-op, which I've tried a couple times, you get a fourth of the money. Um, and then everybody has to like work together to set up blue uh, towers and stuff. But it's just, it just feels so sluggish in comparison because there's nothing unique to co-op really, aside from being able to have multiple heroes, but even then they make them level up slower. So there's just nothing really that fun about it it's only really worth doing if you want to play with people but even then i just wish they had some like unique mechanics to co-op or something to make that a more engaging experience but other than that i think it's just i think it's just fantastic it's not like five where there's anything game breaking in this there were when it first released i understand a couple upgrades were a little ridiculous and some of them still are like really really good but nothing game breaking um so yeah that's uh all i gotta say about that and i guess uh, that's pretty much it we should probably move on to recommendations huh Yes. Okay, then you go first. So, Louis, I am going to recommend to you the YouTube series Hot Ones, which is a show where they ask hot questions with even hotter wings. Uh, I'm going to let you go ahead and honestly just kind of pick whichever episodes you want to watch. I would recommend maybe watching some early ones and some most recent ones at least, but... Essentially, it's an interview show, so whoever most excites you, like obviously Weird Al is one of those, so I'm sure you might want to watch that one. And there's he interviews a ton of people, so um, I'm not going to necessarily recommend you specific episodes, just uh, some selection of episodes of your choosing, and we can kind of talk about the show. Okay, great. And uh, Stephen, I am recommending to you Halo Combat Evolved. Um, I specifically recommend the uh, the PC version on Master Chief Collection, I guess, because that's the one you'll have access to. Um, I don't think I need to say anything about it. This is the first Halo game. It's it's currently on Master Chief Collection on Steam, which is still, like, releasing Halo games, which is su- super fucking annoying, because it only has Reach and CE, but whatever the case. Um, it, uh, you know, came out in, what, 2001, I think, on the Xbox. You know all this. Everybody knows all this. Uh, so, yeah, I would recommend you play... 
you at least get a, a decent taste of both the campaign and the multiplayer on it. Um, how, whichever one you want to focus on is up to you, but definitely do both. Um, cause obviously both of them were equally important to that game's success, I think. And, uh, yeah, that's pretty much it. So, um, great. We got wrecked. Isn't that amazing? I can't believe that happened for the 45th time. Wow. It's crazy. 45. Yeah, that's like, some people are like 45 years old. So I don't yeah. know if that means anything. But um, Our podcast is finally old enough to drink. Am I right? <laughs> wow. I can't believe it. We've watched our baby grow so, so far. Um, but anyway, uh, as always... You know, check us out on CastBox. I'll try to get this episode up as fast as possible. I did it really fast last time, which was pretty epic. Um, but sometimes I am a little slow to do that, so I apologize. But yeah, the link's always in the description to that. You can get the CastBox app, and then you can listen to us anywhere you go, um, which is great. And uh, other than that, Stephen, do you have anything to add? No, just everyone continue to stay safe out there. Oh, yes, I know it's a wild time. Thank you for listening to our little podcast. And we will try to be back in two weeks. Yeah. Um, We'll make it this time, guys. I promise. And if I'm wrong, uh, don't tell me. Um, Anyway, (laughs) I guess that's it. So with that, those were our thoughts. Those were our recommendations. Get wrecked.